With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. I'm your host, Joy Keys. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter.com slash Keys. And you can become a fan on Facebook. Just look up Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. And I'm also on Instagram right now. Lots of cool pictures. If you tag me in a photo, you might win a prize. I give away a lot of things, gift cards, movie tickets, books, uh, tickets to shows, dinners. So I encourage you to follow uh, at Joy Keys on Twitter or become a fan on Facebook so that you can win. I also want to say thank you this morning. Really, really appreciative of all the downloads that you guys have done. Past 880,000 downloads. So we're hitting almost a million, I believe, definitely this year. We'll hit the million mark, and I just want to say thank you. And uh, I guess you're not tired of hearing my voice, or at least you're listening to my interesting guests that I have on. So, again, just thank you so much. Today... I want to focus on endometriosis. This is Endometriosis Awareness Month, and I have two knowledgeable guests. They've been on the show before, but I think we can do a repeat. It won't hurt anybody to update information about this illness. Uh, Dr. Hines, she's on the West Coast. Her name is Dr. Latanya Hines, and um, she is currently at Kaiser West Los Angeles Medical Center. Good morning, Dr. Hines. Good morning, Joy. And also we have Heather Guidone. She's on the line, and uh, she's in the middle of the country right now, but um, she's the surgical program director for the Center for Endometriosis Care. Good morning, Heather. Good morning. Thank you both again for coming on. This is um, your second time coming on, and I appreciate you taking the time out. Uh, You know, you guys are both busy doing things in different parts of the country, so thank you for taking the time and and hopefully informing someone new today. Uh, I want to start with Dr. Hines because a lot of people haven't heard of this, like, endo what? Like, okay, I've never even heard of that. So let's start off with what is endometriosis, Dr. Hines? We'll start with, let's say, kind of a 10-second elevator spiel. It is a chronic inflammatory condition in the pelvis, but it can be located almost anywhere in the body. More commonly associated with chronic pelvic pain with the menstrual periods and sometimes throughout the month. And it's blamed for lots of things, um, but basically uh, a source for chronic pelvic pain associated with your period. That'll be, that's so, like. Mm-hmm. I mean, people have pain, women have pain. I mean, I have you know, cramps. Um, it's funny, I didn't have cramps until after my daughter was born. I didn't even know, like, what it felt like. Um, I, right. My girlfriend hated me for that. Um, Heather, now, yes. you have a personal investment in this matter. You were diagnosed with endometriosis, but how long did it take you to get diagnosed? I was. You know, and my story is not that much different from most people. Um, I was probably diagnosed sooner, uh, you know, before the 10-year delay in diagnosis, but my 
symptoms mm-hmm. started even before first period. Uh, so I definitely have an added personal frustration of, you know, knowing how critical it is that this disease receives its due uh, because I know how badly those suffer um, right here and now, and they need help right now, today. Uh, and endometriosis can really impact your life all month long, day in and day out. Um, it, it's not killer cramp. I'm not sure, maybe. <laughs> you know, it so really is a systemic question. disease. Okay, right. now Dr. Hines, Dr. Hines, um, is it genetic? Is it something we're eating? Uh, is it something we're not doing? What causes, what's the cause, do we think? Is, um... I think the most important thing about endometriosis is that it's not something that you did or something you didn't do, but that it appears that it has a very strong uh, genetic component, but also perhaps there may be environmental factors that have an impact. Um, there are several theories about how it gets started, but the most common mm-hmm. and prevalent theory is that it is the source for the inflammatory change is the lining of the uterus that is shed each month with the normal menstrual cycle. But instead of the lining being shed uh, outside of the body onto perhaps a tampon or a pad, some of that material goes backwards through the tubes and mm. finds its way outside of the uterus in the pelvis. And we believe that that tissue is very active, very alive. And so it, too, responds to the hormonal changes throughout the month that lead to pain. And so depending upon where we find that material, either on the ovary, on the backside of the uterus, on the bowel, on the bladder, and as high as the belly button, the lungs, you name it, those areas can bleed spontaneously. They are subject to inflammatory change and cause pain where they're located, including the organ it's located on. And uh, patients really can suffer a lot. So that's what we believe the source is. The fuel are the ovaries, and they produce estrogen for, you can imagine, all kinds of uh, things in the body, including why we're women in general. But they fuel the... um, pain to some extent. And so you've got two main organs there, the uterus, the source, and then the two ovaries that are producing estrogen that cause those implants to cause pain, we believe. Well, I think now, Heather, were, you, too, were you having pain? Yes. Were you having a lot of pain? Or how, what, what symptoms uh, came about that you knew you needed to go and uh, get checked out? Well, yes, definitely with the pain. But I do want to go back for a minute um, because there mm-hmm. are some flaws with Samson's theory. If yeah. Samson's theory is correct, endometriosis would not be possible until the girl's first period, and we know that that's not true. Um, sure. The tissue is also biochemically different from normal endometrium. They have very different invasive adhesives and proliferative behaviors. So there's, there's kind of no one single theory that has been right. able to address it in all individuals. Um, with me, my symptoms, as I said, they started before first period. Um, I was not diagnosed until later, of course. And over time, my pain became chronic. My symptoms became chronic. Um, I had very severe bowel involvement, very deep disease, painful intercourse, pelvic pain chronically, um, urinary disorders, um, sick all the time, things that you wouldn't necessarily connect, you know, in terms of quote-unquote killer cramps. Um, Mm -hmm. And that just speaks to the nature of the disease and how systemic it really can be. Right. So, Dr. Hines, how would you know that it's not um, 
I was reading there's also endometrial cancer or something else because the symptoms seem like they belong to other illnesses. How does the doctor test for that it's specifically endometriosis? Um, there are several um, ways to approach it, but uh most important way is surgically to access the pelvis, and that's usually with a laparoscope, which is a special camera that we place inside of the abdomen. And it's not just with visualization because many times endometriosis is present and you can't see it. Right. So there are certain ways, or I should say certain ways that the implants may look that uh, increase your suspicion to what we call biopsy it. But in addition, when you biopsy, you can see that the pelvis may show evidence of scarring um, and adhesions, which are special types of bands throughout the, the belly, where patients perhaps have not had a pre- previous surgery. You'd see it more likely with someone who's had a surgery versus someone who has not. Um, the color, uh, the way that the tissue looks in comparison to what you would consider normal tissue, uh, what the ovaries look like and whether they may have a cyst or a very common cyst, we call it the chocolate cyst or endometrioma, that is filled with old blood that uh, certainly can really inhibit uh, effective treatment if they're very large because they cause more pain and make it more difficult for patients to receive relief. Endometrial cancer, which you brought up, is a more common diagnosis in the postmenopausal woman, which is a woman who's already finished all of her periods. We get at that diagnosis by taking a biopsy from inside the lining of the uterus, and that helps us to see whether there's evidence of cancerous uh, cells or precancerous changes. So there's a difference between the two, um, even though we're still talking about the uterus to some extent. Um, one causes certainly a lot of uh, uh, pain and discomfort, but usually endometrial cancer, usually, not always, is seen in postmenopausal patients who have finished bleeding and then they have a new episode of unexplained bleeding. So, you Heather, you know. now in terms of mm-hmm. your condition, you were all these years, you know, you were having this pain, didn't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Now, what steps do you take on a daily basis to, I guess, alleviate the pain if it comes back, or does it has it come back, or has it gone away completely? I mean, do you mind? I mean, that's a little personal, but no, no, no. Oh, please, I'm an open book. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> knows my story already. Um, you know, it's it's not a secret. I mean, if you know me, you know my story. You know that I've had over 20 surgeries for this disease. I've done 24 rounds of Lupron. Um, wow. This went on for years and okay, years. Okay, now slow and down, years. slow down. What is, yeah, what, is uh-huh. that, what is that you just mentioned? Lupron, you said, or what? what was Lupron. That you just mentioned? Lupron is a hormonal suppressive. Um, it's quite commonly used in a lot of women with the disease. It's used to basically turn off the hormones and put the patient into a state of pseudomenopause. The idea is if you stop the period, you stop the pain. That's not quite true. True. (laughs) It's not (laughs) perfect science. Um, There are a lot of side effects, but understandably, Mm -hmm. options are limited. Um, So I did all of those things. I tried holistic healers. I tried psychics. I tried diet. I tried everything. Um, But what led me to the path to recovery um, was actually my own center way before I worked for them. And that was um, the approach of laparoscopic surgical excision, which means taking out the disease from all areas, root to tip. It's wow. a superior technique to laser vaporization and things like that because it really does remove the disease and it allows, as a cornerstone treatment, it allows other things that the patient can do, whether she wants to do diet or she wants to try physical therapy. It allows those things to work better. When you remove the right. disease, 
you have a fighting chance. And it took me a very long time to find uh, you know, that option. This was many, many years ago. There was not a lot on the Internet. There were no support groups. There was, uh, you know, we had pen pals back then, <laughs> literally. <laughs> so um, nowadays, you know, you can jump on the Internet and you can find a specialist. There are many centers of excellence like my own. Women mm-hmm. can go and they can find options. They can find support groups for peer support, which can be incredibly helpful. Um, you know, it, it is a process. We don't like to use the word cure because that implies absolute cure in every single patient, uh, but there are quality treatments. And when you're mm-hmm. able to connect with other people who have taken the journey before you, it makes it a little bit easier. Um, it definitely you know, does. I mean, I find, that, yeah, I find that in any of the shows I've had about health topics, when people usually are able to connect with another individual who's going through the same illness, you go, oh, I'm not losing my mind. That happened to right, you too? Right. Okay. Absolutely. You know? now, Dr. Hines, in terms of fertility, we, we talked right before the show had started. Um, right. How does endometriosis affect uh, fertility, or does it affect fertility? Uh, talk about that issue a little bit. I think the one thing about um, fertility is that there are several causes for the inability to achieve a pregnancy, and endometriosis is but one of them. And so if you think about it from the standpoint that each month a patient produces an egg from the ovaries that should be available approximately mid-month, that if the patient is engaging in intimacy, there should be a sperm available to fertilize that egg. That's the theory. How the egg gets out of the ovary and into the tube and available for fertilization is where the potential for endometriosis to have an effect on fertility. And it does not mean just because the patient has endometriosis that she will automatically have fertility or infertility issues. Not true. It is also uh, important to know that just because a uh, patient... um, Uh, is infertile does not mean that the problem is endometriosis either. So just real quickly, um, endometriosis causes, uh, we believe, uh, inflammation and scarring. And if the tubes aren't able to transmit the egg down the tube to be able to implant, that's one problem. But there's also issues with the function of the ovaries themselves. And if they are affected by endometriosis, that perhaps their ability to function appropriately also has an effect. Now, that's just two um, thoughts. There are many, many theories with regard to how endometriosis affects the entire pelvis um, and the way that it affects the menstrual cycle. But those are some of the things that we encounter from a physical standpoint. Now, we were talking, I'm going backwards a little bit in terms of causes, about pesticides. Uh, mm-hmm. other, and, you, you know, you were saying, well, that's an idea, but nothing's 100%. Um, now, pesticides and fruits, uh, fish, I, I think an article was in the New York Times that I was reading mm-hmm. um, in terms of uh, fish. Now, what about drinking more soy? I mean, what things may make it worse? Heather, are there certain things that make it worse for a woman? Well, I think that every person will have to find their own path. And what I mean by that is there's no endo diet. You know, you'll see a lot of talk mm-hmm. about this endo diet, endo diet. There is no such thing. There is a diet that will work okay. for that individual. We have some basic right. guidelines. There's not a lot of robust peer-reviewed data about it. There is, however, a lot of anecdotal evidence. 
when we're talking symptom improvement and nutritional approach, um, one really popular area that we're seeing more publications on is gluten-free strategy. Um, in yeah, one okay. particular study, there was uh, major improvements after a year of gluten-free diet in the patients that were studied. Talking back again about pesticides and endocrine disruptors, I mean, of course, <laughs> anybody can benefit by reducing or eliminating uh, risk of exposure uh, to right. those things. High antioxidant diet, uh, fish oil consumption, reduction of beef and red meats, um, things like that can help. And it, it really is going to be an individual pathway Sometimes it's a question of adding things to the diet. Sometimes it's a question of reducing or eliminating. Um, you know, so we, we need to better understand the relationship between nutrition and the environment and the exposure um, before we can kind of say, you know, this is the pack advice that every woman should follow. Right. My recommendation is to work with a nutritionist uh, who understands the disease. I have a favorite, nutritionista.ca. She's amazing. Um, everybody can find their own. There's some great books on the topic. But it is a process, like anything else with endometriosis. Now, Dr. Hines, um, in terms of the vitamins yes. or nutrients, what do you, when you, when someone comes in and you find out they have endometriosis, uh, how do you counsel them? Do they, I mean, are, Emotionally, it might be really fearful. I mean, if I go into, I've never heard of this illness, and I'm young, and I just got married, you know, what do you see, I guess two questions, what do you see when people come in and they're diagnosed emotionally, what are they going through? And two, what do you tell them just right off the bat, okay, well, this is something you can do today that might help you feel better or something? I think number one I would say is fear. Uh, they come in with a, a very strong fear, especially when this diagnosis for most patients is made truly in the prime of their lives. I mean, they're usually in their 20s, but certainly I've made the diagnosis in very young girls, 12, 13 years old, or even younger almost, mm-hmm. um, that they, they have a fear, they've heard about maybe in the media or on the Internet that they're going to have infertility, that they're going to be in pain for the rest of their life, they, that they may end up with a hysterectomy before they're able to even have a child. So that, that fear has to be addressed initially, and, but the most important thing is to address the clinical symptom, and that's pain. So the first uh, interview is usually at least 30 minutes. Sometimes I would take up to an hour to get as much information as I can about when the pain occurs, how bad is it, what have they used before. And it really starts with what we call a plan of management. We have to be specific about how to help her pain, and I usually, it depends on how severe the the patient uh, has had the diagnosis, not how severe, but how long, how many surgeries they've had, and what's worked and what doesn't seem to work. Um, I usually do start with which direction are we going. Are we planning a pregnancy now, or are we Mm. delaying that? for the plan for just pain um, regulation. So what can you do initially? We talk about um, making the periods lighter and shorter. If the patient is a candidate for a birth control pill, we try to do that continuously. We use Depolupron, as had been mentioned before. I talk clearly about the side effects, and, and I do do what we call ADVAC therapy, so we can at least help mitigate some of those hot flashes and things that can be associated with it. Um, we put them on a, a plan with regard to pain so that we don't use narcotics, if at all possible, because these are patients with very real pain who certainly can develop an increased risk for dependence. So no Vicodin and codeine unless absolutely necessary, otherwise we end up with even more problems than we started with. Um, so that's where I start. So fear and then address the symptom, 
come up with a plan, which direction are we going, maintaining a a better lifestyle and less pain versus are we going towards fertility and let's plan a pregnancy and then move more aggressively that way. And then, of course, surgery, but using not the first choice for surgery depending upon what's happening with the patient because although it is extremely effective, it certainly depends on who does the surgery and the potential for complications there. patient has to be very aware of that as well. Well, definitely, definitely. You don't want to just jump up and do the first thing that may cause then more, you know, issues down the road. Um, In terms of uh, Heather, I just wanted to Mm -hmm. talk to you about support groups and things. Now, you um, are at the Center for uh, Endometriosis Care, and um, you guys have an educational library there on your website. I just want to mention your website is centerforendo.com, and they have a link there about uh, with educational library and has a lot of wonderful articles um, talking about the surgery, talking about um, for teenagers, like you mentioned, you had it before your first cycle even started. Um, just, mm-hmm. just a lot of good information um, about uh, endometriosis on your website there. Again, that's centerforendo.com. You guys are also mm-hmm. on Twitter. Uh, let we me are. mention that you are, you are uh, CTR for Endocare. Again, CTR for Endocare on Twitter. And Dr. Hines, do you want me to give out your um, Twitter uh, hook, or well, do you want to yes, use something else? Um, it's probably it would be Kaiser dot uh, org because you know Kaiser has a okay. lot of good information with regard to it. But I don't. We are a center for excellence, but specifically at our center, it is for fibroids. Believe it or not, laparoscopic care. Um, okay. So I really like when I'm speaking with patients. Endometriosis dot org. I think it is an absolutely fantastic website. Uh-huh. Well yeah. done and easy to access, and that's what I use when I talk to patients. So the information, of course, as a Kaiser physician comes from just a general knowledge that uh, endometriosis is, affects everyone, and Kaiser doesn't do it differently than others. It just depends on um, resources made available to you and what network you're in. But endometriosis.org is excellent for anyone. So that's usually where I start and then talk about who are uh, excellent laparoscopic uh, excision surgeons are, and potentially if we need to send someone even out of the network, we do that as well. Mm-hmm. I think that, I think one important key is women don't have to deal with pain and that it should not be, okay, you're having your cycle while well, every woman has pain because that right. no. is a real big myth that goes around. Well, you're having your cycle, of course, dear, you're going to have pain. There, I, had, right. I remember a girlfriend when I was younger, she used to have to call out of work and like uh-huh. I said, I didn't have I didn't have cramps. I, I talked about this before I went on the air, but I will tell tell the audience I did not have cramps before I had my daughter. I have a daughter, but after I had my daughter, then I started getting cramps. And then as I got older, now I'm forty something years old. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, um, I I I developed more severe cramps, but not like I couldn't go to work type of thing. But it was definitely whoa, okay. So it was funny when I actually had my first contraction, I was like, whoa. And they were like, yeah, that's kind of like what a cramp is. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> exactly. What, all what the women, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. So, But the most important thing is that there's a myth that you have your cycle and that you need to be in pain. That 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 is not true. If you are having severe pain, and then what's severe pain? You know, everybody is different. You know, Dr. Hines, Heather, uh-huh. right? I mean, yeah. some people say, oh, I just sure. need to tough it out. You know, I mean. Right. But right. at what point do you think someone should go to the doctor, uh, Heather or Dr. Hines? What, at what point? At least well, I mean, me. I think if... Yes. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, 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 Heather, go. 
I, I think if you're having any kind of pain at any time in your cycle, on your period or not, that's interrupting your normal routine, your pro- productivity, your sex life, uh, anything like that, um, you should be speaking with your OBGYN at least to start. Okay. I absolutely so take agree. It. Mm-hmm. I would add, here's what I, what I add, is that each person's experience with their menstrual cycle is their personal experience. And mm-hmm. after now uh, almost 15 years of practice, what I've learned is to ask much more specific questions because some patients really do suffer and believe that it is normal to stay home from work, to Absolutely. stay home from school, to uh, buy a new uh, 100 bottle, a pill bottle of Motrin uh-huh. every, every month uh, to mm. purchase two boxes of pads or only super large tampons every month. That's what they believe is normal. So the question I would ask the patient is, um, if you're having pain with your cycle, do you lose time? As Heather said, do you ever miss work? Do you ever not engage in activities that bring you joy when you are on your cycle? Now, that might, it depends on the person, maybe if it's their heaviest day, but if they Mm -hmm. are consistently missing work, if they are consistently taking more than the prescribed amount of, say, a Motrin or a Tylenol for pain, if they consistently say that I don't engage in intimacy with my partner because I'm in so much pain I can't function, these are absolute reasons to see your OBGYN. Besides, of course, they see us for all kinds of other things. But these are things that are important because many times patients have such heavy periods that they are so anemic that they're barely functioning or that they've taken so much Motrin or anti-inflammatories that they actually have liver problems because they have uh, uh, overdosed on the medication. So these are things that we look for, and those are, I would say, more specific questions to get at this is a severe problem and not normal. And also asking about the family because many times other female family members have gone through the same thing, and they think it's normal. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, I want to thank both of you for coming on this morning, Dr. Thank Latanya you. Hines and Heather Godone. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge, your personal story, Heather. And I hope that, you know, the listeners, I see people on the switchboard, um, uh, that you have uh, le- learned some new information. Uh, Dr. Hines mentioned endometriosis.org is a wonderful site. And then mm-hmm. also I want to mention uh, Heather's uh, website, uh, Center for Endo uh, Care. Did I say that right? Um, CenterForEndo.com. <laughs> CenterForEndo.com, sorry. That's okay. So, um, That's okay. Again, thank you so much for coming on. And you guys have a wonderful Thanks. Saturday, okay? Always a thank pleasure. You. Thank you. You so as much well. Joy. Thanks again. Okay, we appreciate you again, it. Take care. Bye-bye. You're welcome. <laughs> Bye-bye. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening today. Just got off the phone again with Dr. Latanya Hines. She was all the way on the West Coast really early for her. And uh, Heather Guidone, she's in the middle of the country uh, for the cent- from the Center for Endometriosis Care. This show will be archived, so if you've missed most of it or something you came in the middle, you can listen to the archive. And you can also share with friends. You can download on iTunes. I want to encourage you to follow me on Twitter at Joy Keys or become a fan on Facebook. Look up Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. Also, I'm on Instagram, lots of great pictures. Check me out there. It's Saturdays with Joy Keys. And, again, I hope that you've enjoyed the show. Stay tuned. I'll be speaking uh, with uh, Dr. Nicholas LaRocca from the National Multiple Sclerosis Society about multiple sclerosis. Uh, So stay tuned. That will be coming up in about five minutes. Have a wonderful Saturday. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? 
Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.